What are some tools of the trade you rely on most days? Prayers. Prayers. Now that's good. We're thinking about spiritual stuff, but think it'll go on more in the practical as well. Okay, we know that that's something we should always rely on daily, but what are some practical tools? Telephones. Computers. Computers. Cars. Watch. Watch. Not tell the time, all right? Okay, tools of the trade. Uh, that uh, Some things that we, we can't see ourselves doing without. You know, um, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's amazing that um, uh, how people are using WhatsApp these days. Yeah. You know, um, Patelco had a problem with WhatsApp, but now they're, they're promoting it and they're using it because they know that they can't do anything with it. <laughs> you know, you could talk, you could use WhatsApp to talk to anybody in the world and don't yeah. pay a dime. You realize that? Yeah. yeah. Don't, I get, I get calls. Have it, you can talk to them. Yeah, I get calls from the UK and India yeah. on WhatsApp while I'm driving. <laughs> you know, and, and no charge. You know, gone. The people don't, people don't even check with Skype anymore. Yeah. You know, because WhatsApp is ruling the world. Okay, but that's uh, WhatsApp is one of the tools of the trade that I use daily. Okay, people who are working for you, they could send you pictures. Uh, Kevin was doing some work for me, and he sent me these pictures of of uh, some stuff that the guys, some other fellows, were working at the house and some stuff they did, and says, uh, "See what your guys doing." You know, yeah, you know, it's amazing how people use it. Tools of the trade. And uh, you can go back and forth. Uh, good tools. Okay. Let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life. The TV character MacGyver is known for his uncanny ability to get out of harrowing circumstances with mundane objects. Whether he's defusing a bomb, rescuing people, or escaping from a deadly trap, all MacGyver needs to save the day is his knowledge of science, a few paper clips, and some chewing gum. <laughs> of course, the show is pure fiction, but sometimes it would be nice if we could save ourselves from life's problems and attacks by quickly grabbing whatever is at hand and creatively crafting tools to free ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Thankfully, God has given us all we need to do just that. He's equipped us with the tools we need to stand strong in the face of attacks that come against us. Better than any tool we can create on our own, God has given us spiritual armor and weapons. Yes, life is often a battle with Satan coming against us, but we are guaranteed victory when we trust in Christ and in the tools he has provided. Amen. How many of you watch MacGyver? <laughs> Do you like this one or the old one better? The old one. Oh, yeah, the old one is much better. Yeah, and you this know? one just shows too much more that other people can do bad with. Yeah. You know, the other one, the older one, yeah. he says he can use these things, but he doesn't, um, I don't know, it's just yeah, it. a little different. Yeah, yeah, the old one is better than the old, I, yeah, the old, I think the old guy was better. Yeah. And then he can take a toothpick and do something with it. <laughs> How do you do that? Well, he did um, the inner part of an eggshell, the lining, mm. and put something on the radiator. So you, so you see why God up to judge man? Yes. He's too smart. Yes. Yep. Sometimes too smart for his own good. Mm -hmm. Okay, but God, all of that 
in, that, that creativity and ingenuity, all of it came from God. God is the one who provided all of that. And he's the one who should get the glory for it. But he seldom does. What's the point? God equips us for the spiritual battles we face. Okay, God equips us. So whenever we encounter a spiritual battle, then we need to think back about how God prepared us to deal with the spiritual battle. What did God give us? How did he give it to us? How can we use it to deal with the battles that we have? So we're never, we're never left defenseless. Whatever we face, God has given us whatever we need uh, to face that battle. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have on page 47, Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 13. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and have you prepared everything to take your stand. Okay, look at the first, the second question there. What have you been taught about spiritual warfare? What have you been taught about spiritual warfare? The battle warfare? is in your mind. The battle is in? Your mind. Okay, the battle is in your mind. What else? Stay in the word, really. Yeah. Now, now notice the question now. What have you been taught about spiritual warfare? How to fight it, okay. How to deal with it, right? How to approach it, how to look at it, how to confront it, how to view it, how to, how to think of it. Okay, and more than anything, not to approach it lightly, or not to think of it lightly. Notice what the verse says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against spiritual or uh, cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces. Oh boy, that sounds scary. It does. <laughs> sounds very, very scary. That's everything. Because when you look at this description, you we no match. No, and it surrounds us. We can't. No match. There's no way we could deal with this. No. You can't see and it's the cosmic powers and Anybody ever been in space? No. The highest you ever been is how high the aircraft fly, right? Right, yeah. But we've never, and it's talking about cosmic powers in this, of this darkness. Okay, let's look at the paragraph beneath the verses. Get some further enlightenment. <coughs> Jesus never promised the Christian life would be easy. Life by itself can be full of difficulties. But that difficulty is compounded by an enemy who is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone he could devo de um, devour. devour. Eat up. First, <laughs> first Peter 5 Therefore, Paul called us to be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. 
our own strength is insufficient. This call to embrace the strength God gives echoes his words to Joshua. <coughs> Be strong and very courageous, <coughs> Joshua 1.7. We, too, must embrace that same trust in God's strength if we hope to live the Christian life victoriously. But we're not in a battle to gain victory. We're strengthening the Lord and we engage in spiritual warfare from a position of victory. The victory over Satan was won on the cross. Still, through Christ has defeated our enemy. See Revelation 12, 10, 11. Okay, let's look at that Revelation verse. verse. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God. Mm -hmm. Okay, go on. Oh, verse 11? Or read, read. 11 as well. Oh. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the, unto the, the dead. Okay, go on. Me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Still, though Christ has defeated our enemy, Defeated enemies don't always give up easily. When an enemy has nothing more to lose, he can even attack with greater intensity. Mm -hmm. Paul reminded us why we need the Lord's strength. We face a powerful adversary who attacks strategically. Paul referred to the schemes of the devil. Satan knows where, when, and how to target each of us, he sure does. Mm -hmm. Our enemy is also organized. He works against us through his army. The rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. <laughs> Next page. Yes, we have victory in Christ, but Paul still called the battle we face a struggle. The Greek word is actually tied to the sport of wrestling, which reminds us that we don't battle the spiritual forces of evil from a distance. Our fight is a close hand-to-hand -hand type of struggle. Only we're not struggling in a physical contact. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's supernatural. Mm -hmm. So how do we take on these evil forces that seek to harm us? We stand in a position of proximated <clears throat> confidence. Paul told us to take your stand. We do that when we take up the full armor of God. By doing so, we become active participants, not passive of service in dealing with spiritual attack. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. A couple of things. Uh, Paul talks about this battle that he's fighting. We have, yes, we have victory in Christ, but Paul still called the battle we face a struggle. And isn't it a struggle? Yes. The Greek word is actually tied to the sport of wrestling, which reminds us that 
We don't battle the spiritual forces of evil from a distance. Our fight is a close hand-to-hand type of struggle. Only we're not struggling in the physical context. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's supernatural. And we have a tendency to want to grab and hold, right? Paul says, you can't fight this kind of battle like that. So we do not take on these evil forces that seek to harm us. So how do we take on these evil forces that seek to harm us? We stand in the position of Christ-centered confidence. Paul told us to take our stand. We do that when we take up the full armor of God. Some people only like to take little pieces. Well, I don't like that. That ain't gonna look good on me, so I don't want that one. No, you take up the whole armor. Okay, you don't be selective in the armor that God gives. If God gives it, then it's all of it is necessary, not some of it. Okay, by doing so, we become active participants, not passive observers. And uh, sadly, God has a lot of passive observers, not active participants. So we become active participants and not passive observers in dealing with spiritual attack. Okay, so as we continue with verses 14 to 7, we'll find specific information on what the armor of God is and how we can use it. All right, so let's look at that next passage and get a better idea of what this armor is all about, how we are to equip ourselves. Uh, let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 14 to 17. Stand therefore the truth, like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet, silence with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, now let's look at the armor now. <clears throat> Notice the verse beneath that. God provides his armor for the battle we face in his name. Now I think that's something we forget, right? We forget that we are fighting this battle in Jesus' name. Okay? We think we're fighting it on our own. And so it's important to notice that the battle that we face is in Jesus' name and therefore we've got to use the tools, the equipment, the armor that Jesus gave us to fight in his name. The belt of truth. The belt secured the rest of the soldier's armor and held his weapons. Truth is the belt of preparation for the believer. Everything we do is held in place when we accept and trust in God's word. That's a part of the problem. Okay, when we do not trust and accept God's word in its entirety for what God intended it to be, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems. Notice uh, 
the the physical aspect. It says the belt secured the rest of the soldier's armor and held his weapons. Without the belt, that soldier was in trouble because he couldn't keep his, his weapons and equipments in place. All right, so we see how important the belt was for the soldier. It's just important for the believer. That's the point. That is medium. And then the breastplate of righteousness. But notice, have you ever noticed when someone don't tell the truth, how it always has a way of screwing them up? <laughs> you know, they, they tell lies, yeah. and then they forgot the lie that they told. Right. Uh, you know, and then they, try, they tell another lie on top of that one. All right. <laughs> I had a fellow who I worked for one time, and uh, he used to drink a lot. Oh. And whenever he uh, went off to payday, he was missing an action <laughs> because he'd go drinking yeah. and he couldn't get up the next day to go to work. And he'd come with all kinds of stories. And one time there was this uh, believer, this lady who was, uh, she was a believer and she was in charge of administration at that particular time. And um, he came, he did the same thing he always did. And uh, when he came back to work, he told me this story about he was walking down on Bay Street and he fell out and all kinds of stuff. You know, so I said, boy, that's unfortunate. I mean, did you go to the doctor? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. I know what the problem was, right? <laughs> but then uh, the boss called me and she asked me, uh, what happened to him? So I simply told her what he told me, not knowing that he told her something else. <laughs> right? See, a lie, yeah, it, catches up. it catches up with you. All right, so when I told her what he told me, Automatically, she knew that he was lying because he told a whole different story. And he got his walking papers that same day. That same day, he got fired. Truth has a tendency to catch up with you. I hope he didn't get mad with me because yeah, I, mean, I only told the lady what he told me. Right? Okay, so truth, we see how truth, truth is very important. Uh, everything is held together and held in place by accepting and trusting God, the truth of God's word. The breastplate of righteousness. A soldier's breastplate covered the chest and protected the vital organs from arrows. Paul wasn't referring to our righteousness in Christ, which can never be taken away. Instead, he was referring to living in righteousness. Let's look at those couple of verses there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And then Ephesians 5, 5 8, 8, 9. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the word in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Okay. So our daily walk with Christ. <laughs> The way we live protects us against spiritual attacks. Okay? The way we live protects us against spirit. No one can hold anything against you when you walk with Christ. But if you don't, the devil could use however you live to work against you. And so the breastplate of righteousness. Notice, for the soldier it protected vital organs. What are the vital, vital organs that it protected? A heart. How many hearts you have? Wow. So you can't afford to lose that one, right? Right. The vital organs, the heart, and the lungs. <coughs> and then the, the feet, sandaled with readiness. Roman soldiers were issued 
quality footwear, studded boots that allow them to travel great distances and yet stand firmly in the heat of battle. We can stand firm or move forward because of his gospel of peace. Our standing is secure because of what Christ has done for us. And so we see now uh, another picture of the Roman soldier's footwear and how he used it how, it, how it was used to make him effective in what he did. And so our feet ought to be prepared in the same way when we are taking forward the gospel of peace. And we know that that's what's going to save people's lives, right? Not for now, but for eternity. The shield of faith, fourth one. Company of soldiers could interlock their shields and form a solid wall as they move forward. Our shield is comprised of our faith, our trust in the promises and power of God. The enemy can fire his arrows of lies, doubts, accusations, and temptations at us, but our faith in God keeps us from falling prey to such attacks. So here we see how we can deal with lies, and how we can deal with doubts, and how we can deal with accusations that people make against us by having our shield of faith intact. Notice how the soldier used his shields. They could interlock them together and work as one. And we could do the same thing as members of the body of Christ. Work together in allowing our shield, our shield of faith to work on our behalf. And then the helmet of salvation, the fifth one. Soldier protected his head with a heavy helmet of metal. Our helmet is our hope in Christ, which rests in the future we have in him. Because of that hope, we refuse to succumb to the standards of this world. Notice how whenever you're under attack, what's the first thing you hold? Your head, right? Whenever things start flying and missiles and people throwing rocks, the first thing you hold is your head, right? You only got one head, right? So everybody's going to hold their heads. It just perplexes me how these guys could jump on a motorcycle and ride down the road and do these wheelies and stuff without a helmet on. It's just crazy. It's a death wish. Simply a death wish. Because you only have one head. When you fall and you crack that skull, that's it. So the helmet of salvation protects the head as our hope in Christ protects us. The sword of the spirit, number six. The soldier's sword was short like a dagger and used for close combat. Our sword is God's word. It is our only weapon that is both offensive and defensive. We rest in his promises to defend us. And we apply scripture to specific situations to resist the enemy's attacks and to send them running. Let's look at that passage of Jesus' temptation in Matthew chapter 4. Someone read verse 1 to 11, please. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by the bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, 
set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. What do you notice about the devil here? Persistent. <laughs> Persistent? He don't give up easily. No. Nope. Okay, he keeps coming back over and over again. If one thing fails, he comes back with another one. Okay. And not only that, but his persistence have a tendency to wear you down. <laughs> Notice, after he left, the, the, the Bible says the angels came and ministered to Jesus. Why? Because Satan wore him down. And that's what he does with the temptations. He is it, a nagging. When a person nags you, what happens? You eventually give in, right? Yes. Man, I can't take this no more. Let me just let me just give him what he wants. Okay? That's what they, and it wears you down. It exhausts you. Alright? And so we see that it's not, it takes something out of you to resist. Okay? And that's what Jesus um, demonstrated here. Uh, he was the Lord, uh, but he was worn down by Satan's temptation. And Satan does the same thing today. He will wear you down. Uh, with this constant temptation to the point where you want to, you want to get rid of him so bad? <laughs> Just give up. You know, who was it? I think it was Jim Jones. Uh, Jim Jones who said, who was, was asked, uh, someone asked him, what does he do when he is tempted? And his response is, Just give in. Get, get rid of it. Just give in. <laughs> then you won't be tempted anymore. And some people do that. Because they know that the tempt is going to keep on coming. They just give in to the temptation. And they think he's going to get up, but then he's going to come back again. And tempt you again. Okay, question number three. Which piece of arm of God's armor most resonates with you and why? Which piece of armor? Well, I, I am told the scripture sometimes. Okay. I don't know if that's... Which arm is that? The word of truth. The word of... The word of... The, the, what? The word of truth? Yeah. The belt of truth, then. The belt of truth. So the belt of truth res resonates with you. Okay, anyone else? Which piece of armor or most favor you most favor? I think the belt of truth for me, because you got to keep yes. your pants out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that helps to keep everything together. Exactly. Just like with the soldier, the belt kept all the other arm pieces of arm in place. Okay, and so the belt of truth should resonate with every believer. Because that's the one that keeps everything else in place. You lose the belt of truth, everything else drops off. You punch, fall down. Okay, they punch, drop down. <laughs> okay, everything goes if the belt of truth is not kept in place, in perspective. Okay, uh, the fourth question. What are some real life situations in which this armor is essential for followers of Christ. I think I already mentioned one of them, telling the truth, right? But what are some other real life situations 
in which this armor is essential for believers. You realize that the true belt of truth can cause you to lose your, your testimony, right? What about number six? Number six? The sword. Hmm? The sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Okay. Okay, it's not a sword. It's short, so it's like a dagger. What does that mean? It means that it's used for close contact. Okay, that's a good one. What about the fourth? Fourth one? Shield of faith. Okay, yes, you need that. What did Jesus say? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right. The Lord comes right back on the way Exactly. You've got to know the word. Okay, devil runs through. And then when we look at that passage in, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, you notice the devil knew the word. He was quoting scripture. Okay, and so that tells us how important it is for us to know scripture, to know the word. The devil, you run into people on the street, some of the guys that I run into doing ministry, they quote scripture. They'll run circles around you quoting scripture because the devil knows the Bible from cover to cover. And we need to realize that when we don't know scripture, he's doing better than us. And notice what he did with Jesus. He quoted scripture, but notice how he did it. He quoted it out of context. Okay, and a lot of people know scripture, but they don't know how to use it properly. All right? And if you don't know scripture, they'll run circles around you. I was in Royal Bank the other day, and this fellow was in there, man, and this guy was preaching. He was going on and on and on and on and on and talking prophecy and all kinds of stuff, you know, and he was making some sense, all right? Even though he was being a nuisance to some of the people who was in there, they had to call the police for him because he kept running on and on and on and the, the line was long, you know, and he was all going on and on and on. And the security had to come and tell him, say, listen, you're not in the bar room, okay? Some people wanted to listen to the Christmas music, but he was running on and on and on. You know, and he's from one of those churches that don't really preach the whole truth. And this fellow got, this fellow came on the line, he got so upset, and he started on him. He started fighting back. And then they had to call the police. Even but, at the political rallies, they quote a little bit of it, and it's like out of context too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you see, that's the reason why we need to know the truth. Because the devil quotes scripture. Some, think, some people think the devil don't know scripture. He knows scripture and he quotes it. And if you don't know it, he'll run circles around you and trip you up. Okay. Let's look at, uh, we've seen each piece of armor, and we've talked about how each piece helps us to stand as followers of Jesus. But verses 18 to 20 remind of another critical tool that is necessary for any and all spiritual battles. So let's look at that next passage. That's the last one. <clears throat> Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. Okay. We have one more tool at our disposal as we engage in spiritual battle. Prayer. 
God has supplied us with all we need to stand, but we never stand alone. We need constant communication with the one we serve. Prayer is more than mere communication with God. It's our communion with Him. Prayer is taking the promises of God and speaking them back to Him. It's a continual dependence upon Christ. We are to do this at all times. Paul told the Thessalonians that Christians are to pray constantly. First Thessalonians 5.17 Even as we're working, playing, and going about our daily routine, we are to be praying. Why shouldn't we pray continually? Because we're in a battle. Soldiers know they can slack off. They must remain vigilant. Paul called us to stay alert with all perseverance and intercessions for all the saints. We pray continually, ever alert to the attacks of the devil. But we don't just pray for ourselves. We pray for all the saints. We pray for the strength of our fellow believers in this shared battle against evil. We also pray in the spirit with every prayer and request. As we pray for others and ourselves, we include praise, worship, thanksgiving, and confession, in addition to the requests we lay before God. Notice that Paul made prayer personal. He said, pray also for me. Paul, the great apostle and evangelist, asked others to pray that he might be bold enough to speak the gospel. Paul knew any boldness he had to have came from God, and he was well aware of his need to remain dependent on him. We need boldness too. Fortunately, the same source that provided Paul's boldness, boldness sustains us as well. We can move forward in the boldness Christ freely offers, but make no mistake, we can be bold for God until we have been bold with God in prayer. Amen. Okay, our time is gone. So let's look at uh, uh, question number five. How does prayer contribute to our efforts in spiritual warfare? You can't do without it, right? And Paul made that clear in the passage, even to the point of asking for prayer for himself. Uh, the great Paul, the great evangelist Paul, he needed prayer too. So we know that prayer is absolutely essential when it comes to spiritual warfare. And of course we are reminded of the point, God equips us for the spiritual battles we face and so we need to use the equipment that he gives us. Okay, how do we flesh this out? Um, consider these options for relying on everything Christ has provided for our lives, including his armor. Pray. We just mentioned that one, right? Take everything to God in prayer. Everything. Don't leave nothing up. Everything. Your victories begin with prayer. Make a regular part. Make prayer a regular part of your day, knowing you need to continually look to God for strength. Okay, no matter what you do, you need God to equip you and empower you, right? So prayer is essential. Stand. If you find, you find if you find you're susceptible to flaming hours of the evil one, his lies, doubts, temptations, use God's armor. Identify several promises from God's word 
on which you can stand against the spiritual attacks. Plenty promises. We looked at many of them previously. All right, so look for those promises and remind God of it. You know, God likes us to remind him of his promises. You could go to God and say, Lord, you said. He don't mind you saying that. Lord, you said you will do this. God wants us. And you notice Abraham and Moses and all those fellows, they did that all the time. And then stand together. Meet with someone you trust this week to talk about mutual accountability. Discuss your ways to support and encourage each other in the spiritual battles you face. Get a partner, all right, that you can talk to about the battles that you face and hold each other accountable. And then finally, don't lose sight of the fact that you are in a spiritual battle that does not include just you. You have help. You have the support of your friends and family. More importantly, you have the support of God who empowers you to stand. Okay, so let's, leave, let's not leave God out of the equation when it comes to the battle. We got all kinds of help. We got brothers and sisters and we have God. Amen?